Hey, this is Sebastian the Jet. You are listening to Soccer Subs. This is Jordan Stewart, and you're listening to Soccer Sub. Go listen. Hey, this is Rob Stone from Fox Sports. You are listening to the Soccer Subs Podcast. The Soccer Subs Podcast. It's game on. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Soccer Subs Podcast episode 91 my name is ronnie and i'm joined here with my three soccer subs co-hosts christian voss and eric and before we get started with the show let me just give a quick shout out to our two soccer sub show sponsors first one up is paragon sports your premier destination for activewear they're located on 18th and broadway here in manhattan in the city go check them out for all your running needs basketball soccer baseball equipment and give them a follow at paragon sports on instagram and our second show sponsor taqueria 86 an amazing mexican soccer themed restaurant they're located on 94th and broadway here in manhattan in the city as well go check them up for some amazing tacos, burritos, drink, the mezcala, tequila, all that good stuff. And go give them a follow at Taqueria86NY on Instagram. And now that that's out the way, Christian, Voss, and Eric, good to be on with you guys. MLS Week 3 is officially in the books. How are you guys doing? How was your weekend? The Rebels score a goal. NYCSE came away with three points. And we have a very special guest in the studio. Super excited to talk to him. Welcome to the Sucker Subs podcast, guys. Episode 91. Jeez, guys, it feels like it's getting closer and closer to 100 and it's just flying by. But I can't wait to talk on our New York Red Bulls. And we have an amazing guest who's about to join us who I think will give us some great insights. So I'm looking forward to having the convo with him and sharing what we we've all seen on the field with whoever's listening. Oh, man, it's as always, it's great to be back. Ah, another amazing weekend of MLS. And, you know, what can I say? All the big boys won. You know, we didn't tie. All the big Eastern Conference teams won, got away with their points. What a start. And can't wait to get into it. Appreciate it, Eric. I know you and Christian were at Yankee Stadium for that home opener. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. And for the soccer fans, for the MLS fans, we got a big show coming up for you guys today. Episode 91. We got a special guest joining us all the way from Palo Alto, California. He's an MLS journalist covering the New York Red Bulls. His name is Eric Friedlander. Welcome, Eric. How you doing? And Welcome. Thank you, thank you for being out with us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thank you for having me and bravo on getting the name right not everyone does that gets the last name correct on first go so credit to you yeah no i'm eric freelander i covered the rebels for once a metro my kind of main beat was the academy rebel 2 that's where i kind of came up in the journalist game if you want to call me that i don't consider myself a journalist or if i do it's a fan journalist first because that's kind of how i focus what I write. I write what I want to see and what I think other fans want to see. So don't expect like full analysis pieces from me all the time. It's more I like to do profiles. I like to get to know the players and kind of share their stories with the people. So yeah, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this. And Eric, real quick for the fans that may not know you, how'd you get into MLS? How'd you get into soccer? Okay. So Back in the early 2000s, I'm going to say like 2001, probably, my parents started taking me to Metro Stars games back at the old Giant Stadium. And I always tell people this. I grew up with like Tim Howard, Clint Mathis, like Steve Jolly, shout out Steve Jolly. That was the pinnacle of soccer to me. Like kids today are spoiled. Like they can turn on NBC in the morning, USA, and get the Premier League. I didn't even have that. Like I had basic cable like there was no soccer so to me i grew up thinking clint mathis was the best player in the world like the metro stars were the pinnacle i didn't even find out about the premier league until tim howard went there like i'm consider myself a manchester united fan because tim howard got sold to manchester united and then i was like oh there's all these other people and slowly like the friendly started you had england come over manchester united and that's like 
opened my eyes to this whole like no their level of soccer especially the double headers they used to do back in the day but yeah i started off going to metro stars games when i was four or five years old and haven't stopped ever since it's amazing and yeah thanks for being out with us and yeah let's get right into it i mean we just put some mls news from over the weekend our very own nycfc getting their first three points against enter miami at yankee stadium the home opener 1-0 a heck of a game there we'll get to that in just a few minutes Voss and Christian's New York Red Bulls drawing 1-1 on the road versus Minnesota United. A snowy game out there. Chilly. Good game over there. And as for our upcoming games, NYCFC have Wayne Rooney's DC United this upcoming Saturday at Yankee Stadium. And Voss and Christian's Red Bulls face off against the Columbus crew at Red Bull Arena. So two good games. Voss and Christian, I'll pass it over to you guys. What you guys think of your game, of your 1-1 draw against Minnesota United? There are many things that I want to touch on. First of all, I think, um, like I mentioned earlier in the introduction, we score our first goal. And was it a surprise that it was from a center back? I'm not sure. But I think for the most part, the Red Bulls play a very aggressive style of play. There are many, many things that I have like a million notes. But one of the standouts, at least, I think Coach Schubert talked about it at the beginning of the press conference. Those first 20 minutes, uh, and I would say like the first half in general, I was really surprised with one person in particular was Corey Berg, how essential he has been for the team. Um, Yes, he has not scored. He came in to score goals, but the way he has fit into the system, being that target up front, winning aerial duels and combining and distributing balls with to Lewis Morgan, I think it was very impressive. I mean, you talked about the first three minutes of the game and you have two really good scoring opportunities. And then after the game, you know, I think we had a couple more. Lewis Morgan, like I said, I don't know if this is because of a mental pressure that everybody is thinking about. But in honestly, I think it's contagious. When you start seeing that the attackers are not scoring, uh, little details get a little bit bigger and it gets a little bit more frustrating. Uh, the one that I would say that should have gone in was Lewis Morgan when he had the chance to get the ball from a bad clearance from the number four Minnesota defender. And he had the time. He had the time to go around the keeper and, and score. He usually would have done that. But I think it's that desperation of, of scoring that goal for the attackers that is keeping the Rebels from earning three points again. Do I think it was a hard match? Absolutely. I mean, you go in a field like Minnesota at their home under those conditions where the ball doesn't roll the same way. If it was, uh, it was a clear day, you, know, you probably could have seen a difference of play. But at the end of the day, the Rebels did have the chances. They had plenty of shots. I think they have more than 10 shots. And I would say five of them should have probably gone in. What do you think about that, uh, Vas? So, yeah, just to add on to some of what Christian said, I think the Red Bulls did, in fact, start incredibly well. They could have been up 2-0 in the first three minutes, you know? Like, it was kind of crazy how early the first chance came. It was like 42 seconds in or something. And I think Morgan should have at least had one goal on the night. But I think uh, someone who has to be highlighted as well, it was the fact that Morgan had a great bounce back game. And the re- going back to a 4-5-1, I think we just get the best out of out of Morgan because he's up closer to the strikers to connect and try to make runs in between the defenders. And I think we got to see a little bit of what Morgan can do when he gets more of the ball upfield. And look, I don't want to say I inspired Struber with the, with the question last week of how can we get Morgan more involved and are we going to go back to the four five one? But 
you know, maybe I'm somewhat of a Nostradamus. No, in all seriousness, uh, I think the, the Red Bulls were unfortunate to go into the half 1-0 down. And uh, I got to be part of the press conference with John Tolkien and Gerhard Struber after the match. And I had asked about what the message was going into the half. And I think Tolkien and Gerhard are both highlighted, continue doing the same because we weren't being outplayed. And in the conditions that we found ourselves in, I think we responded very well. And another big highlight on the match has to be the defense is showing up on all ends of the field, on the attacking side, on the score sheet and holding down, you know, what seemed to be a, at times a, a one zip loss. I think Minnesota scored their hundredth goal in Allianz Fields history. And with our equalizer, we kept them winless in their home openers. <laughs> so the closer that it got to the 90 minutes, I was just hoping that history would repeat itself and we would get a goal. And shout out to Corey Burke for having some incredible play, but I'm going to have to point out that Van Zier should have had at least one goal. I think the chance that he could have put away around like the 70 odd minute mark was more difficult than people tend to imagine it would be because a fastball, he's just trying to get a foot on it and he gets underneath it and he just skies it. I think if you just or have a second earlier, that ball goes into the net and Tolkien had, uh, had kind of praised his play and tried to shield him a little bit with the comments that he made after the game, saying that he's going to start scoring soon and will be a starting player even sooner. So I think there's a lot of good to be expected of this team with the 1-1 result in a place that is very hard to play in conditions that are unlike many venues in MLS. So I'm, I'm happy with the 1-1 draw. The ball hop. No, you're right. That Elias cross, it was a good cross, but that ball hops, so it makes it more difficult for him to hit it straight. Eric, just wanted to ask you, you know, I think Bath mentioned it at the beginning of his of what he was going to say was the lineup. Were you satisfied with the lineup for to, for the match against Minnesota? Yeah, I think I don't actually think it was a four five one. I think it was still a true four triple two. I think Morgan was clearly lined up as a striker, even if it was they sometimes do this where it's like it's two strikers, but one may drop off the line, kind of fall into the hole. But I think it was very clear still kind of that empty bucket for triple two. And I think the biggest thing will be how do you get the best out of Morgan, Lukinas, and then eventually Von Zier once he comes into the starting lineup. Because I think Corey Burke, I don't think he's a 90-minute player, but he can give you a really good 65 minutes every game. Like, he's such a big body that we haven't had for such a long time. He offers a different energy up top. It's a different sort of player that they can really play the ball into, and he can control the ball, and he can shield it. And if teams are going to try to go 1v1 versus a Van Zier, a Morgan, like with Corey Burke and play the ball, and all it takes is him holding it up and finding one pass. And then it's a 1v1 battle between Morgan. And it's like, then you can flood numbers into the box. So I see the ideas are there. Like you're starting to see things, but I think Minnesota did a disservice to the game by either not postponing it a little bit, like just put it off an hour and clear the field properly because they cleared the 18. They cleared both 18s. And then in the second half, they cleared more of the 18s on their defensive side specifically. Like, clear the whole field. It wasn't snowing that hard, clearly, because the 18s didn't get refilled with snow. So, like, take a plow to it, clear the whole field. I don't get how they didn't have the ability to do that. So that was actually disappointing to me that there wasn't a greater attempt to clear more of the field so a real game could play. Because, like, even their goal came off a slip that led to a corner. Like, some of those things, it just felt like there was a really good game 
that could have broke out, but because of the snow, and maybe that's why like Morgan chipped the ball where he would have normally tried to round the keeper, or he tried to play a ball, like shoot it five hole instead of trying to round the keeper. Cause it's just when you're on that slippery surface, your feet are probably freezing because you're just running in snow half the time. Like I can imagine someone just says, I'm going to take the chance because it's here versus I'm going to try to build, make a better attempt by rounding the keeper or doing something special. So I'm not too worried about Morgan, but I am worried about, I think he, he's better up top than he is in that kind of attacking midfield spot. Cause he's not a pure connector. He's better running onto balls or chasing after things than kind of linking up play. And I think Lukinas also, I've said it on a few places, I think he's best on the left and Morgan wants to play on the left. They both are better when they can cut inside. So then it kind of becomes this, who plays where? Do you drop Morgan to the right wing? Will he play kind of more direct like Cam Harper? There's a lot of ideas and things that still have to be worked out, especially with Burke didn't play a ton in preseason. Van Zier wasn't here for preseason. So most of preseason, it was Manuel and Barlow up top. And I love Tom Barlow, but that preseason form was an aberration. Like he wasn't ever going to keep scoring at the rate and playing as well as he did in the regular season. So it's interesting. There's a lot of things to work out in that front four, if you want to call it that. Edelman, I thought was great to see him back on the field as well. Didn't really get to see the best of him, but he mostly played in the snow the entire game. Like he didn't get even onto the parts of the field where there wasn't any snow anymore. So it's hard to draw major conclusions from that game, but I think great that Andres Reyes injury was just cramps. I heard after the game. So that's really good news because he arguably is one of the best defenders. I think he's a top five center back in the league. And I've said this on other places I've written about it. I think he's, better for what Red Bull do than what Aaron Long does. I'm not saying Aaron Long's a bad defender, but I think the ceiling actually raises defensively with Andres Reyes just because his ability to be, his first step is much more aggressive and much more explosive than Long, especially Long post Achilles injury. And that's normal for someone who popped their Achilles taking an aggressive first step. So he beats, like he beats offensive players to the ball from behind and he's just so aggressive and so strong in the air that I think he just offers a greater a, more to the Red Bulls defense than maybe Aaron Long did as good as I Aaron Long was <laughs> no you you're right he's so athletic I think I remember seeing those long balls interceptions by Andres Reyes and he just takes off with so much power let's touch on those two things all right so the let's touch about Andres Reyes goal perhaps uh, not everybody saw it but everybody was working as a team to offer that space for Andres Reyes. What do you think about the goal? I didn't appreciate it in real time. Watching replay, I realized how good of a goal that was. To be running backwards, get up, had it directed, with perfectly angled into the back of the net. I thought he just was kind of stationed there and rose up and just kind of got his head to it. And, you know, headers can go anywhere. That was a really, really good goal. And those types of goals don't get goal of the week, but it really should be in the conversation because it was that kind of just a feat of athleticism to be moving backwards and then redirect something forward is much harder than it seems. Just heading the ball in general, anyone who's like played at amateur low, even high school level, it's like, that's like the last thing you get actually good at is knowing how to head the ball. And only some people do. So like, you play pickup, you're like, I'm not going to head the ball. It's not worth it. So the way he throws his body around and it's able to win those headers, I don't think it's the last goal we see from him. 
I would have ended up straining my neck. Uh, Vas, what did you think about the goal? Like Eric said, uh, it was a goal that I had to appreciate after rewatching it once because I was in the middle of working and I kind of just saw that they equalized. So I didn't really get to watch it. But an interesting take, uh, someone had asked John Tolkien on the set piece play and if it's something that the team actually worked on in training. And he actually had highlighted that, yes, it is in fact a play that they had worked on. Yeah, and it's so fortunate that it was only like an early season cramp that he didn't come up with a he didn't pull up with a more serious injury because he's such a crucial player to the Red Bulls system. Like we said, both offensively and defensively. And Eric, I just want to add one more thing. Uh, Tom Barlow did in fact have a incredible preseason, and he's continuing to somehow find preseason winners with New York Red Bulls too, because I think he scored a penalty last night to give him a win in their last preseason match. So straight on playing for Minnesota. It's just crazy to say that, you know, he's killing it in preseason, but we're not in preseason, but we are. It's weird. (laughs) I I don't know. But for some reason, I feel like if he would have started, he would have scored a goal. I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking whatever right now. But uh, uh I you put that you... in the Red Bull Discord. I was like, when Morgan missed a couple, I was like, oh, Barlow would have scored that. <laughs> <laughs> now, Eric, you also touched on something that I noticed too. That goal that came from a set piece for Minnesota United, you know, the play prior to that, nearly slipped. And I think I was hearing people complaining. It's like, you know, like you, everybody has to adapt. Everybody has to adjust. But, you know, these are the moments where weather conditions affect the score of the game. Now, during that play, one thing that noticed is that Daniel Edelman doesn't get to the Minnesota player, Longwani. Is there something that maybe he can improve in that department? Because that's something I saw in 2022 again against FC Cincinnati, where the bodies of the, the, the forwards, you know, sometimes can be a problem for him. I think they just have to kind of work on, they're going to do this half man, half zonal marking system that doesn't I know people, it's kind of the old debate, like zone versus man. They kind of play a hybrid. Some guys are in a zone. Some guys are marked up on a man. I think you just got to find either ways to hide him. I think maybe they do this interesting thing. I don't know if you guys notice on corner kicks, they switch the outside backs. So if it's a corner kick from the attacking team's left side, so our right back side, Tolkien will go to the near post and Duncan goes to the far post and vice versa when it's a corner kick from the opposite side from Tolkien's defensive position, they switch. So maybe something like that with Edelman where maybe he goes to the near post and he's guarding more of a space and it's just react to the ball, then man up with someone and you have someone like Tolkien or Duncan who maybe are a little more aggressive and more comfortable in kind of that man-on-man defensive area doing it but i can't nitpick corners like i don't have any coaches license and things like that i feel like that it's such a bang bang play corner kicks and rarely is it one person's fault there's multiple things that could have done better so it's hard to get to in the weeds of corner kick tactics and defensive tactics but it is something i noticed that they do that switching of the outside backs to the kind of near post opposite side which is always something i never truly got and i probably should ask Gerhard one day though i doubt he'll answer it yeah shout out to tolkien for actually also praising troy who is their set piece guy saying that he does an incredible amount of research on the teams mm-hmm. who they're about to face as well as setting up the red bulls for whatever is to come their way so i have to also praise troy for helping us get our first goal of the season i was a happy man <laughs> Being the set-piece coach is such a tricky 
play because it's like you get all the credit when they score, but if you have a drought where you're just not getting off anything from set pieces, then it's like, oh, it's Troy's fault. He's the set piece coach. We also have to just, uh, what were your thoughts on just quick little moment of the match that I think saved us that point? Omir Fernandez just blocking that definite goal at the far post. I thought it was a handball, just like Tolkien said at first. I thought we were going to get metro again, you know, like that's so Metro, but no, it was an incredible stop from Omir. And my, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Because I did not expect him to pull out the best defensive play of the game coming on as a late sub. Yeah, no, Omir's a hard worker. And it's like, I want him to start getting goals because like he, he deserves it. He's a two-way player and he does, he puts in a shift every game. So Omir's one of the first players I did a feature on interview before he turned pro, like winter before he turned pro. I had a hunch that he was going to turn pro. And I was like, I'm going to get him while he's still in college. Cause like for people, you're newer to the game vast in terms of the comms department, but it wasn't always as easy. Like I will say, Andrew and Zach do a really good job of being open and trying to facilitate interviews. Wasn't always as easy three, two, three years ago. And even pre pandemic, like, Kind of anywhere from 2018 to 2021, it wasn't as easy. So definitely a shout out to Andrew and Zach. But yeah, I kind of like scooped it. I was like, I'm going to do Omir before he gets to the pros so that I don't have to worry about going through the team and setting up like the whole nine yards that you have to do when you go through more formal channels. But I'm a line stepper and I'm sure they'll tell you that in the comms department. I, I just got to say, oh, I mean, that was a wonderful defensive display. I mean, two sister kicks, one from Minnesota kicking the ball and him blocking it. But I do notice that that's what happens when you don't have Reyes on the field. I mean, it, it's no fault because Dylan is trying to clear the ball. Unfortunately, it lands on Lude. And those are the moments where you got you don't have Reyes. What are we going to expect if he's injured? Luckily, like you mentioned, Eric, thank God he's not. It wasn't anything serious. But uh, yeah, I mean, such an important player, even those moments. No, Sita is back. I hope his hamstring injury is not too serious okay. because in theory, I think he does slot in currently if they don't sign another center back as a third center back. And at 6'8", that ball's not getting over his head. <laughs> there were rumors of bringing somebody in, but I think those rumors died off. Am I, am I right? Yeah, it was a kid. The Colombian? Kid, a 20, yeah, Colombian guy who was at on loan at... Bragantino, but didn't really do very well there. And from some of the people I talked to who know the Columbia game much better, it's kind of like this would have been his last chance saloon, kind of prove it. He hasn't, he was okay back in the Colombian league, but it's not the highest level league. And he wasn't like compared to Andres Reyes, who was like a star in the Colombian league before he went to Inter Miami. And even at Miami, he flashed potential. He was just, he had took a really bad injury in MLS's back. I don't know if anyone remembers. He got, like, stretchered off, sent to the hospital. So I feel like he gets this tag of – Reyes gets the tag of injury prone, but a lot of his injuries are less about, like, someone who's just frequently injured and more of these, like, freak accident. Like, he showed up to preseason last year, and they were discovered that he had an injury. He thought he was healthy. He just had like a fracture on his foot that only could be detected by a small scan because he had he was like, I have some discomfort there. It was a Jones fracture. So it was something I heard from like, potentially like the fields he trained on when he was back home in Colombia, trained on some lumpy fields and potentially fractured his foot that way. So like little things like that, that's just a freak accident. And it's not like he has consistently 
hamstring injuries or muscle injuries. That's where I would be concerned. He just kind of gets these freak, like, breaks a bone in his foot because he trained on a potentially lumpy field. Like, I'm sorry. I just wanted to quickly add on the Andres Reyes point. He's also matured so much as a center back. Is he also was labeled like a walking red card coming to New York and being injury prone. And I think since the New England game, he's only showed flashes of brilliance that are ultimately his real quality you know like what he actually plays like not just freak accidents like eric highlighted and stuff and uh, i think gerhard did well with the substitutes trying to go more attacking and not so much as trying to go for a you know hopefully a draw i think he was really trying to get that win by putting in the strikers he put in uh van Zier. he also put in fernandez and manuel and i don't want to say i was disappointed with Manuel or Venzier, but I just thought that the climate really affected how they played. And I think it limited how much Manuel could stretch the field. And like we highlighted before, I think Venzier had one really quality chance that could have been put away, but I don't want to just rag on the guy for missing a something that seems like an easy shot on goal, but ends up just ultimately missing it. So I just, I think I was happy with the subs. I don't think he was reactionary. I think he was properly just trying to set up his team for a win. And, you know, maybe just personal bias. I really do like Tom Barlow and probably like his biggest supporter. So I would like to see him come on a little earlier. Maybe instead of Manuel, you put him in just because he's another big body and you can maybe get a goal off of a corner kick. But yeah, I was happy with the subs overall. Disappointed with the 1-1, but I think Gerhard showed well. And I think, like he said, he can sleep at night knowing that the glass is half full, not half empty with the squad and their performance. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I, I don't think that shot Vanzier had was really that easy. I think the cross was a little bit behind him and it was shin high, knee high, which is just not the easiest. Like For the room that was in front of him, it could have definitely been fizzed in low on the ground and just put on a platter, really. And if he then finished there or like, scuffed it as bad i would have been like okay he needs to do better but like he had some loose touches and things of that nature but he hasn't played in a month he's played now what 60 minutes total since his last game like a month and a half ago it's going to take him time i think what i like is and this is something i picked up over the years especially watching academy kids because one thing you notice when watching academy kids you watch u15 u14 like you see a kid who's maybe not the biggest and they have all the right ideas and they just need to physically mature in their body to make the play. Obviously, Van Zier is physically matured in his body, but like he's rusty. But what I see with him is the right ideas. He's making good runs. He's getting into dangerous spots. He's opening himself up to be an outlet and then for them to play through the wings and combine. And even if it's not always in the box to potentially be someone who can get an assist. So that's what I like is that the ideas are good. They're making the, the runs are right. That leads me to believe like, once he gets sharp and once he gets up to speed with his teammates, then the goals will come. I think seeing him with Corey Burke potentially from the start next game, like if he's ready to give 60 minutes, I would want to see him start next to Burke against Columbus. But even off the bench, I would like to see him play some minutes next to Burke, just a bigger striker, someone who's going to demand the attention of the opposing center backs. And yeah, I think overall the subs were fine. They were proactive. I think someone like Edelman probably on a minute limit. I think someone like Luquinhos, it was like his game was run and his game is not meant to be played in a snowstorm. Like he's a dribbler. He wants to be on the ball. They were only like, 
the 18 yard to the end line was the only place you could really dribble the ball. So he, I think he was like snatching at some shots because he didn't really feel comfortable dribbling because snow. So I have no problems with the subs. I don't, it's just such a hard game to draw any real conclusions from because 90% of the game was just kicking it long and hoping to win the knock on. So there is so little, but overall, I, while I would have loved to see a win versus Nashville and I think the Orlando result is disappointing. Nothing about the season really has me worried. Like I'm seeing good ideas. I'm seeing some progress tactically in terms of chance creation. They played two really good defensive teams and then in a snowstorm. So I think the goals will come. I think things will get better. I'm not hitting any sort of panic buttons at this point in the season. And with the performance I've seen, I've seen enough to keep me optimistic. The optimism I had from seeing them in preseason. Yeah, just to, to add on that, I think the Red Bulls have played long stretches of their games very positively, tactically looking like the better team more often than not, despite what the results may end up being. And like Eric said, I think Minnesota and Nashville are two very defensive teams that it, it's lucky if you get a goal, you know, a game against them. And Orlando is, in fact, the US Open Cup champion who kind of smacked us around in that semifinal. So it was always going to be a tough game. Too. And yeah, he is impossible to get through. When you have a, a goalkeeper like Alessia making saves that seem like he does have eight hands, and he is, in fact, at Pulpo. I, I don't want to try to bring my mood down as to what I've been watching, despite those instances. Yeah. I think I the think team... In the Orlando game, Perea kind of has... I would say Perea, Oscar Perea has a bit of Gerhard Schuber's number. He's been getting some results over him. But the one goal came off a penalty kick that, as I described it after the game, it's the flavor of the month handball rule. This year, it appears you can hit your chest, and if it's next to your arm and slides onto your arm, that's now a handball. Well, a year prior, that wasn't a handball. It changes every year. So it's hard to get so upset about something as like kind of fluky as that like yes i would have liked to see them create a couple more chances and put away a few more but when your defense is solid the offensive will come along like and if it doesn't then you start having to have those hard questions after six seven games but it's still so early and there's still so much soccer left to play that it's hard to be worried when so much is up front is still being integrated and kind of configured on the fly Exactly, Eric. I think you hit the nail on the on the head with that point. It leaves me with nothing but good hope for what's to come. All right. And now uh, I see uh, Ronnie wearing the New York City FC jersey. You must be excited for your first win. Yeah, man, absolutely. Yeah, let's get to the NYCFC portion. So NYCFC taking the, their first three points of the season against Inter-Miami. We knew it was going to be a tough game. Inter-Miami coming in hot. Two wins under their belt, especially under Jim Curtin's Philadelphia Union. I'm going to start with the lineups. First thing I noticed on the NYCFC lineup was Nick Cushing putting in Matias Pellegrini on the left. I know we've seen Thiago Andrade on that first game against Nashville. Then we saw Andres Jason against the Chicago game. So I think he's experimenting with that left-hand side on the left wing. Good to see Matias Pellegrini. He, he actually did say Matias was one of the best players that stood out of the night. So that was good to see and get his confidence up there. Just to quickly note, he mentioned that it was also Matias Pellegrini's birthday, and it was his former team, and it was, he was the best out of the week for that position. So I think all that kind of came into place there. We saw Santi Rodriguez, our number 10, get his first start of the season. He played the full 90 minutes. So that was amazing to see. I mean, as rightfully so. I mean, this is now as our designated player. So great to see Santi officially back as a starter in the NYCFC lineup. And then, you know, as opposed to the regular lineup, we saw Luis Barraza again at goal, Kean Parson, James Sands at midfield, as suspected there, Thiago Martins, Michel Lenich. 
Ryan Kufri on the left, Maxime Chanel is on the back line. So as expected there, I think uh, Nick Cushing is kind of sticking with that as his, as the main starting lineup there for that. Before I, we even get into the game, though, we just got to give a huge shout out to the inner Miami goalie, Drake Callender, because just watching this game, holy cow, did this guy have a heck of a game. He had some key, key saves. Wow. I mean, just denying Santi Rodriguez twice. Brian Kufre with a clear shot, a one-on-one with Thales Magno. And, you know, I'll save this for last, but I think, you know, that's another thing that NYCFC needs to focus on, finishing their opportunities, but nothing to steer away from Drake Callender. A heck of a goalie there. I think he's solidifying his case for being a goalie to watch for the rest of the MLS season. So huge shout out to that. You know, I will say that we had a better second half than we did a first half. I know Inter-Miami came in pressuring, you know, possessing the ball. They actually possessed more of the ball than we did, 57% versus NYC, 43%. And I got to give it to Inter-Miami. They came out hot. They came in as a road team. They looked dangerous and they created they created opportunities. Uh, so did we. You saw how much of a threat Joseph Martinez was on top. He almost had himself a goal and it got disallowed. We also had a, a game called back against us as well with Matias Peregrini. He almost scored against his former team. A great performance overall. I think that goal that, that we got was definitely a weird goal per se, but one thing that I know we've had to improve on our set pieces. So I'm glad the goal came off a set piece. Eric, you were there for that game as well, man. Help me out here. What you think of that game and what were some key uh, moments for you, man? Oh man, it was it was great to be out there. It was certainly cold, but it was fantastic to be back at uh, Yankee Stadium for NYCFC's home opener. Look, I'll be honest, I I was a bit worried. The first 10, 15 minutes, Inter Miami were playing sensational. They were pressing hard. They were playing hard against that NYCFC backline. They were really putting the pressure on them. And honestly, there were a couple instances where they could have easily bagged one or two goals. Jo- Joseph Martinez, listen, the guy is still not fit, and he was looking sharp out there. And uh, he's still not 100%, so I'm a bit worried to see him at 100%. That guy, you know, give him any type of space, any small chance, he can easily score one, two goals a game. It was incredible to see him play in person. And, you know, enough of that because ultimately Inter-Miami did end up losing. But listen, all credit to them in the first half. I thought they were really pushing us to scoring one. But ultimately, NYCFC, they held strong and their defense was on full display. Look, Colin too. You know, I don't miss him. I, of course, you know, I still miss the guy. You know, he was a sensational defender. But Diego Martins and Chanel in the back, strong, strong pairing. They definitely held out. He was definitely bullying a lot of Inter Miami's attack and stopping it. In terms of the attack, you know, I definitely think Cushing is still experimenting with what his ideal front line is. And I think that's something that NYCFC are benefiting from because they have multiple talented players up front, you know, competing for positions. Uh, you know, who gets to start in the wings, who gets to start in the behind the striker. And it's good to have that competition. But I do think NYCFC, what they're lacking most right now is someone who can finish those chances. Thais Magno, he still hasn't scored a goal. And it's, yes, he's, he is creating those chances. Yes, he is, you know, putting pressure on the that back line. But the finishing just isn't there yet. And yeah, he's still young. He's playing a position that he has not played all of MLS. So I, I you know, I don't expect him to bag a hat trick every game. But, you know, at a certain point, you want your forward scoring goals. You know, where are these goals going to come from? Are they going to come from... You know, these set pieces where an own goal happens, are they going to come from, you know, Santi Rodriguez, Pellegrini? As an NYCFC fan, I am a bit worried at this point in the season. Like, you know, it's still early, but I need the goals to come from somewhere. We're going into the fourth match week, and, you know, Thais Magno, I I think he definitely needs a goal in to get that confidence in so he can start scoring those goals and producing for NYCFC. 
looks like the Rebels and NYCSC has something in common then. <laughs> yeah, Eric, I'm glad you mentioned that, man, because in Nick Cushing's post-match press conference, he mentioned, you know, we're defending well, we're creating chances, but he says we have to be the ruthless uh, once once we attack the goal. And I think that's something we're lacking right now. We're not finishing our opportunities and we're getting some clear, clear shots to get on goal. So I don't think creating is the problem. We're defending well, like Nick Cushing said. So Christian, you were also at the game. What you think of just overall, just anything quick on, on the game? Was real quick. Yeah, no, just impressive defensive display, display from the goalkeeper. I think he was magnificent. There were some shots where I saw them in. And when you see Santi Rodriguez laying down on the ground after the 90 minutes out of frustration that he couldn't score, that tells me how much uh, of an influence the Inter-Miami goalkeeper had in the game. Just be careful. I think New York City FC needs to learn to put the game away as soon as they possibly can, especially scoring those goal opportunities. And I think they just need a little bit more composure. Talis Magno, Gabi Pereira, they sometimes try to look like to play that hero ball. Play it off, lay it off to a teammate. Santi Rodriguez did that perfectly to Keaton Parks, and Keaton Parks unfortunately missed that opportunity. Just play smart as a team. You find the right places, find the right pockets of space where you can uh, get a good shot, and that counts. Don't try to take a shot off from a bad angle and then stop being a safe or, or, or going out of bounds. Other than that, I think I'm extremely surprised of how NYCFC has bounced back after so many departures. It, it, I mean, you guys are looking scary. And I think the, the fans, shout out to them because they're right behind you. We got a chance to talk to a few. Some of them are disappointed because they want to see that Tati Castellano scorer, that they want to see three to four goals a game. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Not going to happen soon, but... You just got a good squad. And I think Pellegrini, as the games keep going, he keeps getting more confident. Do I wish it was his birthday every week? Let's see if we can make that happen. But he was playing fantastic. I think NYCSC is slowly building the confidence. I think that's what you hear from all the other players. And I think they can get away with uh, three more points against DC United. Yeah, and, and real quick to Eric, I wanted to ask you, Eric, but do you feel like this is possibly the, the best game we've played out of the three so far? And, and how are you feeling for against our game coming up against DC United? Oh, I think it easily was one of our best performances. Uh, you know, I, I guess it's something about being at Yankee Stadium that just gives NYCFC that extra edge. And, you know, I'm starting to think, should we go to this new stadium? <laughs> I knew I was going to say that. <laughs> NYCFC, like it's a baseball stadium, but there's a little bit of magic there for the club. And listen, they may lose the occasional one, max two out of 10 games, but it's a fortress. It's a fortress. And teams have an incredible, difficult time scoring against NYCFC in Yankee Stadium. I am very confident against this DC United side. I think we have all the you know capabilities to come out with a win. My question is, what is Cushing going to do for the attack? Is he going to switch things around? We know he's been experimenting with the attack. I still think he's trying to figure out the best way to make the attack as efficient as possible because I think he's noticed that. Yes, he has talented players who can create chances, who can make scoring opportunities, but I think what he wants to do is be efficient with those scoring opportunities, as in make sure that those opportunities are getting in the back of the net, are being scored goals. So I still think he is going to experiment in that front three, in that attack, but I certainly think that NYCFC can come out with the win, and I'm hoping that Thais Magno backs his first goal of the season because he certainly needs that boost in confidence. Before we uh, jump on real quick to the next point, I'm sorry, I just want to add on some points that NYCFC gave myself because I did, in fact, watch the match, and I don't want to sound, you know, I'm two for two, but 
I think Danny and Javi of the NYCFC City Boys owe me a big apology. Pellegrini was possibly a man of the match performance, and they were telling me, what did I see in him, thinking that he'd be possibly a man of the match? So, Javi and Danny, next time I see you, you owe me a hot dog at least. But no, I think into Miami, it was expected. They played two depleted sides in the Union and Orlando, who had other competitions to focus on. So I think it was a lot of smoke and mirrors. And I don't know what you guys saw. I don't think Inter Miami looked all that goal dangerous. Offsides are offside for a reason. So I'm not going to count that as a chance. You know, you missed it for a reason. But I think it was a great bounce back from NYCFC to get that goal at home. And to add on to what Eric said, exactly. You guys play great in Yankee Stadium because it's a smaller field, the dimensions that you're used to and everyone else isn't. So I'm, I'm uh, hoping that once you guys open up that stadium, you can try to get away with having those same dimensions <laughs> to try to keep that home advantage. Absolutely, boss. And yeah, let's get to that question real quick. Have any teams surprised you so far in the MLS season? Top of the East, top of the West. Right now we have Atlanta United. Top of the West, we have St. Louis. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump that off. I think my now current home team, uh, San Jose, have surprised me. Like, I knew they would be better just not playing Almeida ball, like man marking and chasing people the entire game. But they've looked pretty good. Like, they have some solid pieces. Like, Abobisi looks like a very solid MLS striker. Like, they're creating some good chances. They look like a pretty solid team. Like, I think they'll hover around kind of that fringe MLS playoff team, but they didn't make a ton of signings where you were going to be like, oh, they're totally in now. So I think they can definitely be a MLS playoff team, especially with the new format. But they've surprised me out West and then out East. I've been surprised by Toronto about how bad they've been. I wasn't super high on them to begin with, but I just thought surely like they have a whole year together. Like they're not going to be that bad, as bad as they've been. Like I didn't think a Michael Bradley midfield was sustainable, like certain things. I thought didn't have like longevity and that would be their downfall but I didn't think off the bat they would look as like poor as they did it's not even like oh they're not winning games like they have the same amount of points as the Red Bulls I think they're both on two points but something about them just it doesn't seem like either Bob Bradley is figuring it out or it's going to work out it just seems like they're in a much worse way than similar teams on similar point totals yeah, I, I think Toronto was a big surprise. But uh, one team I want to say in the East that has really shocked me, based on the way that they ended last season, is Charlotte FC. I think the Queen City under Latanzio had finished pretty strongly, and they had set themselves up to have a great first full season under Latanzio, but it seems to have crumbled pretty quickly. I don't want to you know, bring the mood down for the guys out in the Queen City, but I'm not seeing a whole lot of anything. It, it seemed like a team that's still figuring it out. It, it seems like it's an interim tag on Latanzio right now, as opposed to how he ended last year. So I'm hoping that they can find a way to to fix up both the attack and defense, I think they have good goalkeepers and George Marks. And I think they have a lot of good pieces. And it's just shocking the way that they've started the season. And on the Western front, I think I had a lot of hope for the Rapids this preseason. The way that they had brought in a bunch of new faces. I thought that Robin Frazier is a very solid head coach. You know, he's been on the helm for quite a while. And he does great with young players and new pieces. But yeah, they're winless to start the year. So I think it's a little shocking to see that in the West. Oh, uh, no, I mean, uh, San Luis for sure, you know, just to have an expansion team just come off straight with three wins back to back. It's it's amazing. And of course, beating one of the strongest sides of last season in Austin FC in their home opener. It's just it, it was an amazing start to their season. And 
you know, they definitely have surprised me. Um, you know, great minds think alike with the Erics because I also am surprised them with Toronto. I had high hopes for Toronto. I thought they were going to be competing in the East and they just have not had a hot start. Clearly, clearly, clearly they're missing Insignia. I know he came out with injury in the front home opener for them and uh, they clearly need him back as soon as possible. But even if he returns, I'm not too sure if this Toronto inside can be consistent, can get you those points. And what I wouldn't bet on Toronto honestly at this point it's still early so things can change and um lastly nashville listen nashville are playing pretty solid football and you know there's still strong side and guess what they're playing great without honey mukhtar scoring so imagine when he gets in form and in rhythm and starts scoring nashville's gonna look very scary pretty soon but I, I think dc united is doing something better than they were last year so i do i did say that NYCSC might come out with the three points, but don't be disappointed if you guys get a draw. I think they, they're working on things. They have some solid players. Ventec is trying to get his goals. And I, I agree with, with Vaz, Charlotte. I mean, they used to be a strong team at home. And now, you know, it feels like anybody can go up there and get three points or at least one. So I, I'm really disappointed. Although MLS journalists had them ending up at 13th place. So at the same time, they they may be seeing something that we are not. And yeah, on the other side, St. Louis, I got to be honest, I haven't watched a full game of them yet, except for the highlights. But hey, you have Rebel DNA over there. You know, I'm glad that they're doing well. Appreciate it. I'm also just going to highlight uh, Sporting Kansas City and Colorado Rapids haven't scored a goal yet. I tweeted that out the other day. So crazy to see, man. Yeah, I know we had some high hopes for some of these teams. And I mean, it's still early. It's only week three. We're going on to week four. So uh, a lot to keep an eye out for. A lot of teams to kind of keep an eye out for for the rest of the season. All right, Eric Freelander, I want to say thank you so much for coming on uh, to the show. Where can the fans find you? Drop your Twitter handles. Uh, how can the fans get in touch with you? Or thanks for being on, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. Get me on Twitter, efreed97, and that's probably the best spot to find me. I post all my articles via Medium or whatever platform I decide to shop it to. Not that I get paid for any of it, but yeah, no, Twitter is the main medium for me. First, a huge thank you to Eric. I've been reading your stuff, man, for God knows how long. So it's so cool to actually have the conversation, you know, and probably get to meet you. I know we follow each other on Twitter and we've had a little, you know, messages here and there. But thank you so much for having the time to speak of our beloved Red Bulls and to all the listeners out there. I expect episode 92 out next week, and I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh, thank you to the fans for listening. It's been another amazing episode. Catch us in the Red Bulls games. Catch us in the NYCFC games. We are out there creating content. If you see us, always say hello. We love to interact with you guys. And again, thank you for listening. And we'll be back for the next one. Yeah, first of all, thank you so much, Eric. Like Vas said, I, 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 I kind of share the same sentiment. You do a wonderful job. You're telling stories and also, you know, great insight on the Rebels. I admire your work. So I'm super happy that you were here today. Hopefully it's not the last time. And whenever you do come back to Newark, please, man, I want to tailgate with you. So hopefully we get to grab a beer when you come back. We'll share the barbecue from Jason. Jason to, uh, yeah, and the grill. Yeah, he's I'll bring my matzo well. or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you. And like Eric said as well, uh, the other Eric, uh, catch us on the, on the games, on the field, and, and anywhere outside of the stadium. We're going to try to talk with everybody. I think we're having fun talking to fans and getting to know what they really want. Just try to voice out their opinions. And yeah, see you guys next time. 
I appreciate it, Christian. A huge thank you again to Eric Freelander for joining us all the way from the West Coast. Thank you guys for an awesome episode. We'll be back next week for for MLS Week 4. See how Christian and Vasa's New York Red Bulls do against Columbus Crew and how NYCFC do against Wayne Rooney's DC United. Thank you guys for all the support. Give us a follow at Soccer Stars Podcast on Instagram, and we'll see you guys next week. Everyone take care and have a good one. Oh, 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 oh,